Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I am here with Dr. Masa, and the full name, I'm going to hopefully not screw it up, it is Masha Hojat Koshniat. Close-ish. Wonderful. <laughs> so Dr. Masa has over 12 years of experience in the field of mental health, focusing on the hard-to-reach population those struggling with histories of trauma, depression, anxiety, and relationships difficulties. She started her career working with children and families impacted by trauma at the Department of Children and Family Services. Then she moved into working with incarcerated women and men. She also worked at the mental health clinic, working with more severe mental disorders and those being significantly affected by their mental illnesses. In addition to working with people affected by trauma, relationship issues, immigration, and severe mental health, she has experience in working with addiction and those affected by addiction. She has worked as an outpatient drug and alcohol program and gains much insightful information from those jobs. Dr. Massa is also a certified clinical trauma professional. She has a treatment modality that is a combination of different cutting edge treatments for depression, anxiety, mood disorders, and trauma. She considers herself a guide, collaborator, and source of support for her clients. She provides her clients with insights related to their adaptive and maladaptive behaviors, thoughts, and ways of interacting with others. I have our theme for today as mechanism of anxiety and the impact it can have. Please welcome Dr. Massa. Welcome to our podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me and thank you to your listeners and viewers. So you're far too young to be doing all these things that you've got done in your life. <laughs> so we'll get into that in a minute. But where do you call home? Where do you live? I live in California in Orange County. Ah, yes. I knew it well. <laughs> so you, as I went through your bio, there were so different stages, different paths on your journey. So I'd like for you to share a bit of how the start of your journey began and um, and really what drew you to start with working with families and children that have been impacted with trauma. It, it, there has to be something in your life that said, 
oh, I have to do something about this. So please share your stories. You know, I feel like growing up in Iran, I, I was born in Iran and then came here when I was 20 years old. I really got to see a lot of effect of child abuse. Unfortunately, unbeknown to me, there was a lot of child abuse around me, but I mm -hmm. see so much pain and suffering in my mm -hmm. cohort and other students. And in the way, you know, you could see the PTSD of them, you could see the aggressiveness that reactivity, the negative view of the world. And it always stayed in me. Coming mm. I'm nursing a cold myself. <clears throat> Pardon me. So coming here to US and having the opportunity to make a difference. Mm. When I found out about DCFS, the first thing that went through my mind was what was going on with those parents? Yeah. And what caused them to behave in ways because every parent loved their child. That was my experience. I was loved by my parents. So every parent loves their child. So what is going wrong here? And as I got into the system, that was my mission to keep the kids safe who were safe. Uh, I received them after they were removed. So I knew the kids were safe, but now it was about the parents and what was going on with them. And in essence, the intergenerational transmission of trauma. Mm. What they gone through that had affected them and the, the emotions they were feeling, the anxieties they were feeling, the reactivity that they were feeling, in essence, the views they had gone through themselves that had created the situations they were in. Yeah. Right. And how was I going to, in essence, help them break the chains, mm -hmm. be something different for their own children? As you were saying that, a thought crossed my mind. I wonder in your experience, how many times where the kids are removed, the parents go ahead and have more kids and that continues on before you get to work with them or maybe they refuse to work with you. And so that, that cycle continues for more kids. Let's really break that down and see what that's about, right? You're working with people who have been, in essence, trauma traumatized and institutionalized. Okay. So there's this sense of helplessness and hopelessness. Mm. And there's a sense of these other sets of people, in this case, our social workers, are going to come and rip them apart from their children. Yeah. And all they have is those few you know, months that they have with the child they're going to create and the hope of another future and right? hope for something different. That's where we were so essential in how we approached. Yeah, when I started working with clients, they were very resistant. Mm. Before it made sense, right? I was representing a system that had separated them from their children. So building and gaining their trust was my first and most important thing I needed to do. To show them that I wasn't there to hurt them, but I was there to help them overcome whatever brought them there. Externalizing the problem mm. and aligning with them in order for them to recognize, okay, there is a problem, something needs to be worked on, but we're not against each other, we are allies. Very good. So as you, got involved with this, then you decided to move into working with people that were incarcerated. And I, I imagine that the, some of the same people that you first were working with fall into that group. 
but what were the experiences and, and what further did you learn as you worked with this group of incarcerated individuals? I have to say that my career was surreal. It was almost yeah. like seeing one thing from so many different aspects. Yeah. As I was working with these children, some of them were very young and had parents who were incarcerated, parents who were in that lifestyle. Then I had people who were younger versions of becoming, you know, getting started yeah. to get to the juvenile halls, getting started to those troubles. So it was almost like I had moved on in time. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing the fathers, the mothers, and those same children. And as I would sit there and listen to their stories, it was the same tragedies. Yeah. Abuse, neglect, nobody caring, nobody really taking an interest or being able to understand. So much misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So much missed opportunities and so much fear and helplessness. Mm-hmm. It was just apparent everywhere I went. But the difference that the people I was working with now in jails had found a way to express a power to overcome the powerless they felt inside. Um, Yes. And now my job was to help them recognize where that powerlessness really came from and how they were in essence misusing their protective mechanisms. Yeah setting themselves up to fail further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know we have that increase of gangs over the last probably 20 years, I guess. And um, sometimes whenever you talk with those individuals, it's that family, that community that they missed in their own family that mm-hmm. draws them into that. If, if you want to talk a little on that. Funny you ask, because my dissertation is about uh, former gang members' experience of childhood trauma and its impact on gang involvement, like exactly what you said. And the essence of it was that I I interviewed former lifers, so people who have served a life sentence and had came out. Most of them went in around somewhere between 16 to 18, and I was meeting them in their late 50s. Wow. And the amount of tragedy in their lives mm-hmm. and that helplessness, powerlessness, and losing the one person that mattered. In each and every one of them, the act of killing someone was in response to unimaginable loss mm-hmm. that was so unbearable. And when we looked at their history, there was this consistent failure of every system they came in contact with. Mm. From family to community to school to organized you know, places to therapists to all somehow projected negativity, didn't see them, couldn't contain and tolerate their pain. And the gang was the only one who could. Wow. at a very severe cost. Yeah. yeah, and um, I work with the youth as well. And um, so a lot of what you're saying is is why I do what I do with the youth, because I want them to be able to find a voice, because a lot of times they feel that nobody's listening and um, have trouble really communicating without a- anger or some emotion. So... Um, I can definitely see how what um, you're talking about 
really does impact that individual. If we just kind of take a little further on the journey, you started to work with the mental health clinic and expanded your focus and attention. How was each of these paths on this journey impacted where you are today of what you do today that um, drives you to um, make change, I guess? You know, I feel like I got trained in the trenches. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm grateful for the people who trained me and more than staff, it was clients, right? Oftentimes people to ask me like, how did you come up with that from what I said? And the truth is that it's because somebody showed me. Yeah. I over working with such a different range of people with such severe histories of traumas and listening and being curious rather than trying to tell them what to do with that. I learned about human emotion. I learned about dynamics and the way we get affected and what those early childhood relationships, those experiences, adulthood or childhood really mm -hmm. does to us. And that allowed me to now that I'm working with high functioning, very successful, pretty stable people to be able to see things they cannot see mm. because it's very deeply buried. Yeah. I see it because of I, so many people show me their wounds mm. and through that they show me what human is human being is really like, how our mind functions in addition to a lot of me extra education. <laughs> but I, I could see that, you know, as somebody's relating their story, you can think back of someone else and maybe be able to help them visualize what they didn't even realize was going on. Sometimes, you know, because you're too close to it, you don't even see what's happening. So that wealth of experience of working and going through the trenches really has been beneficial, I'm sure. It has, and it's, it's rewarding to be able to do this work now because when you're in the trenches, you can see the person's potential, yeah. but there are so many limiting factors and there's so mm -hmm. many obstacles. And sometimes the pain is so great that the level of change is not as extensive. But with people who have made it, mm -hmm. able to take them to those wounds and really heal them from it, helping them feel differently about those experiences is, mm -hmm. is a sense of re-raising, mm -hmm. helping them re-raise themselves. It opens up the avenues of opportunities. It's almost like people always talk about a sense of relief. Yeah. And they say, I couldn't imagine being able to do the things I do. And sometimes I say, yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Because all of the sudden, this, I talked about kind of like having a treasure box where you take off the bands and it just opens up and you cannot mm -hmm. imagine how much treasure there was in. That mm -hmm. is my experience with clients. Oh, that sounds awesome. Thanks. So I wanted to talk about um, you You have treatment modality that helps your clients. So kind of go through what those treatment modalities might be. 
So there are many different treatment modalities out there, right? There's CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, mindfulness, attachment, narrative, psychodynamic. I am psychodynamically trained, right? I am, I believe in who you are is really rooted in the experiences that you have had and how that affected your experience of the world and how you existed. But then I think of a, a, a therapist as an artist where you have your crayons and you have your paint and oil coloring, all these things, which are mm -hmm. all these realities, mm -hmm. but you really use what fits the situation. But at the end of the day, you have the perspective. So mm -hmm. I'm dynamically oriented and I use these tools to help me. But what I'm interested in is a fourth phase model. The first step is to truly gain someone's confidence mm. and to be seen as competent and feel connected. Mm. Now, this is a very deep connection because I am not connecting to you as the adult you are today. I have to gain the trust of the child you once were. Uh, yes. Right? To yeah. be able to show that you're truly safe and I'm capable. Mm -hmm of caring and holding what you cannot. Mm. The first step is really gaining that trust and creating that emotional connection, deep emotional connection. The next, next step, the phase two, is really understanding the internal working model mm. and understanding who you are and why you are the way you are. The bulk of the work happens there where we identify and understand the person's pain and why they do the things they do. And the idea isn't to go back and say, okay, let's review from day one all the bad things that happened to you. <laughs> That's not helpful. The idea is to see how the past play in the present. And what are the connections? Because this titrating in and out. I forgot who mentioned it is one of our experts. Titrating in and out of the trauma memory mm. to be able to connect enough to what happened and really feel, understand, grieve, and then gain a different perspective. It's that closure yeah. in the relationship. From there comes this idea of understanding, okay, it's going to be different here and now. How am I going to transform myself and have a different relationship with the world now that I feel differently? And finally is that release. Now that I have this freedom, like I said, everybody talks about feeling relieved. And then I have this freedom and this new belief in myself, new comfort in who I am. Mm -hmm. How am I going to go out in the world and enjoy and be my true self? So good. Yes. So whenever, whenever someone's going on that journey with you, I imagine that it's not something that happens quickly or overnight. It's as you peel away the onion that it takes time. And um, so is the trust built, if you will, over time, or 
is there an aha moment sometimes where they immediately realize that you're, it's a safe place, that they can trust you and, and you can make great strides? What is your experience with that? Is, or I'm sure maybe as individual too. It's definitely individual, but the majority of the people within the first session express this feeling of, I feel so close to you. I feel mm -hmm. so good about you. I feel so comfortable with you. One of my clients put it best. She said, I feel like you've been a friend I've always had and I never knew. Because yeah. I was encouraging her to go out and make new people. She's like, I'm like, what about us? See, we quickly connected. And she's like, no, you're different. It's that non-judgmental, positive regard, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Is that I truly, genuinely care. I, mm -hmm. When someone is thriving, it heals me. Mm. It helps me. I... Nice. It truly in my heart become happy because I want the world to be a better place. Yeah. When I see someone achieves, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel it in my every fiber of my being. And I, I absolutely like understand what you're saying. I think it's why we do what we do. Yes. Because it, it does. I mean, you you feel the joy that they're feeling too. That's true. Um, so we titled this as the mechanism of anxiety. And um, so let's talk about that a little bit and how it really does impact those in our audience that may be having anxiety. And I, I swear since, since COVID, I have run into more people than I can count that are suffering from anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I think we live in a very difficult world. And we're so consistently aware of so much that is happening. And unfortunately, our world has gotten really dark. So it's very normal that to feel anxious, whether it is to the point that is an anxiety disorder, or if it's that day-to-day -day feeling discomfort, worrying about something, worrying about the future, having a sense of chest tightness or getting flushed, all of that is normal, right? We're living in a time and an age that so much is changing and good strides are being made towards our evolution mm. from a cultural sense, right? We're evolving and growing. Mm. But at the same time, so much pain and suffering is happening too. Right. I want you to take away anxiety from a disorder to a state of being that it has become very prevalent and it's not a disease. It is just a complex or syndrome that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to destigmatize it. Mm -hmm. When we think about anxiety, mm -hmm. anxiety is actually one of the reasons we survive. <laughs> okay. What uh, I love to talk about cavemen time. And I said, imagine we're cave people and we're going down a path and we can just smell something that doesn't smell right. And it might be a tiger, it might not, might meet the plants. But if one who is anxious, right, becomes aware and is tense and is ready to react, and if it is a tiger, that one survives. 
If it's not, okay, no problem. Yeah. But the one who doesn't react does not get to pass on their genes. So in essence, anxiety is actually the reason we survive. It's the reason we do well at our job, right? Mm -hmm. We finish to that um, deadline. Mm -hmm. We get kids to school on time, right? However, anxiety becomes problematic when it is a false alarm. Mm. If you think of anxiety as the way that it will makes us aware of a threat, when the perception of the threat is inaccurate or exaggerated, yeah. then it gets us in trouble. Yeah. And that's something that continues to happen in our days now, right? we are so disconnected from each other. Mm. So consumed by this idea of perfection and putting our best forward and being mm -hmm. seen as all, have it all together. Mm -hmm. It creates isolation. And when we are isolated, we're more prone to becoming afraid. Yeah. We don't have those that we can count on then we are more prone to becoming afraid and internally starting yeah. to doubt ourselves. The thing is that we were never supposed to live alone. Yeah. We became who we are today because we came together, mm -hmm. gathered around the fire, build families, build tribes, build villages, build communities. Yeah. And this idea of perfection is isolating us from that. Something like a pandemic, right? Something that happened to all of us in a lot of ways reminded us of how much we need each other. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and you think of um, all the people in history that were isolated. Um, the first one comes to mind, obviously, Howard Hughes, where um, he really almost became like a madman type of thing. And I agree that in the pandemic, that was where people really understood how all of a sudden how all those jobs that they hated going to or were annoyed by the crowds and things craved those same kind of things just to have someone to talk with absolutely yeah I, I remember whenever I was my first child and I was in a different state so I didn't have my family nearby and uh, and I had this brand new baby my husband went off to work and I had eight hours <laughs> or 10 hours where I was alone and I thought you know, initially I thought, oh, I want to just take a long maternity leave. And I'll tell you, I was happy to go back to work to just be with people. And I, that from that moment on, I knew that I had to, uh, I wasn't a person who was a loner for sure. Absolutely. We're not meant to be alone. Mm -hmm. You know, some people gain their comfort and you kind of like, fill up their batteries by some time alone, reflecting, doing things for themselves. Sometimes you need that to be engaging with others. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're mm -hmm. not meant to do everything on our own. Yeah, and that's I, a good point. I, I think that people need to understand the value of being alone for a little bit uh, to, 
to rest, recover, to be introspective, I think. But, um, and some people have a hard time with that too. They have to have constant on the go, doing something with someone and don't know what to do with themselves if they're alone. So that's a different side of that, I guess. True. Some of it, right? Some people have the need of connection. Mm-hmm. That's what they can feel. But when that, that is not about that, not being alone, it's about avoidance. Mm. And not wanting to hear that voice inside, or if it's a critical mm. conversation yeah. inside, then that has been learned from somewhere. That's the internalization yeah. of someone else. That that internal working model we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. So it's time now for uh, rapid fire. Um, I, I did have one more question. I think I wanted to go through though. Um, talk about the inner child and it sort of delves into where we just were and how that impacts our relationships. Talk about that a bit. Imagine the person you were growing up, the experiences you had. In essence, what you experience in relation to others impacts how you understand them, what you expect of them. Mm-hmm. If you feel like others are, you can count on them, you can believe in them, they're there for you most of the time, you're going to have not as much of a difficult time, right? Mm-hmm. Moving through the world, connecting, making mistakes, overcoming them, because you have this sense of safety in the community. Mm-hmm. But if you grew up and felt like either your needs were not heard, for whatever reason, right? It could be somebody had medical issues and wasn't available. Somebody was working a lot and wasn't available. They had to work. No judgment, right? But mm-hmm. then your specific needs were not met. Then you mm-hmm. learn that you only rely on yourself mm-hmm. at any cost. Mm-hmm. Impacts emotional connection, mm-hmm. right? It impacts how much you allow others mm-hmm. to help you or get close to you. Yeah. It's a lonely life you're choosing. Unintentional. Mm. You may still have tons of friends. Yeah. Are you really letting them see your true self? Yeah, I was going to say, are they friends or are they acquaintances? You know. People may have a lot of what it seems like friends. Yeah. Living in this persona. Mm -hmm. But down deep inside, there's that inner child, that version of themselves. Mm -hmm. That is longing to come out and be seen for who they really are. Mm. Okay. All right. So the la- last question I have as rapid fire is let's talk about difficulty with life transitions. A lot of us baby boomers are going through that now, and uh, people through the pandemic have had. Let's talk about that. I think when we, it comes to life transitions, we need to recognize that we are growing dynamic beings, that we are constantly changing and our needs, ideals, and wants are changing because our environment is changing. Mm. And so really having this compassionate, loving, curious view of ourselves to recognize who we were a moment ago might not be who I am today, and that is okay. Yeah. 
this idea that whatever choices I made, I made them with the best of my knowledge at the time. Mm-hmm. And if I have grown and want something different, it is okay, right? Our values and our interests and what's important to us changes, not only through what stage of life we are, but what we're going through, mm-hmm. right? I was working with gangs. I was working in the county. I was doing all sorts of work with people who really needed me. And then I had a child. And I can tell you from that moment on, I was like, okay, for the next 18 years, I cannot do any of the things I like because they're too dangerous. And and do I miss it? Yeah. But I have the most important job right now, which is to get this one to be the best version of herself set her up with all the tools that she needs to succeed to be a good human being in the world whatever that's Mm going to mean for her in her future before i can go back to my other children yeah i sit here and say well you don't care about people you're not it's not going to do me any good my values at this moment have changed yeah that's exactly right and so and your daughter is going to be the better for it, too. I hope so. I mean, she's quite mm-hmm. amazing already. <laughs> yes, we do love our daughters. Really? And our sons, actually. But I have no sons, so I have to say, I do love my daughters. Daughter it's time too. now. This has been such a really insightful and inter- and educational, I guess. But... Um, it is time for us to share the screen that shows how you can connect with Dr. Massa. And I know you're going to want to. So those of you that are just listening, as I remind you every time, you um, can go to my website or to YouTube to find all this information, uh, see the video. But if you want to right away get in touch, you can go to her website, which is https colon forward slash forward slash heal-thrive.com. Again, heal-thrive.com. She's on Facebook at Psychotherapy H-A-T, and she's on Instagram at heal and thrive underscore PC. Again, Instagram is heal and thrive underscore PC. I'm going to let her tell you what you can find when you go to her website, and uh, she also has a free consultation that you can set up. So go ahead and share what you can find there. So um, we we are a little clinic in a sense. We offer ADHD coaching, life coaching, NLP coaching, and we also have therapy for anyone. Um, I especially work with people who have really had successes in therapy, but feel like there's something missing and they're mm. ready for that next level deeper layer really discovering themselves at a much more deeper level than you know getting the tools um we have two other therapists that specialize in many different areas including children couples lgbtq plus plus a plus plus issues and a range of you know we really have different modalities that we are using I personally specialize in inner child work and early childhood trauma. Um, I really strongly recommend that you go ahead and look at our website. We have a few articles. We have a bio for all of our coaches and therapists. 
as well as um, how to get a hold of us. We do offer free consultation and um, the different services. You can learn more about what is the coaching like, what different kinds of therapy are like that we are offering. And know that you're never alone and no one should ever feel like they have to deal with this alone. So please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, it's been just so wonderful getting to know you and learning all the things you do and the, the huge heart that you have. I wish you tons of success with your daughter. How old is she? She's five and a half. Ah, so I have a 35 and a 32 year old. So uh, now I'm dealing with grandbabies that oh. near that age. I have a, a four and a eight year old as of yesterday. So, uh, yep. So enjoy that. And I encourage everyone to reach out. If you have heard anything today that strikes a chord, makes you think you want to learn more, do more, um, or as she said, just have someone to talk to, please reach out, take advantage of that free consultation. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey. And it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.